All right. And we are live now with Business Acceleration Playbook, giving you the plays you need to help your business win. Cue Jeff laughing at Maria. So he laughs at me every time I say that. But you know what? I am sticking with it. I like it. I think it's just quirky enough to be fun. So it's fine. All right. So I, I'm Maria Daniels. Um, we have Angela Buckley, Jeff DeWaskin. Ray Baxter hasn't joined us. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it today or not. Um, but we do have our special guest, Tim Kroll, with us today. So you can say hi Woo. to him. Hi, Tim. So Angela, Angela, you, Angela, go ahead and introduce yourself. And then Jeff, go ahead and say your hellos. And then we'll go ahead and dive into the world. Oh, Tim. Great. So my name's Angela Buckley, and uh, I work with Creatively Efficient. And I write a leadership series called Strength in Nature. I like to draw our lessons and analogies from plants, hiking, outdoors, trying to really uh, draw that in. And my expertise is really in organizational leadership. I've been a change leader for 25 years in the manufacturing industry. So welcome. I'm excited to hear you today, Tim. I, I think we're going to connect on multiple levels. <laughs> I, I'm Excellent. like, man, I knew you all would. I knew it. Speaking knew of my it. heart here, I, we've got a uh, backpacking trip where we're going five days yes. out in the wilderness. It's, I, I've got 20 people that can go with me. Currently, it's filled up to 11. So I, there's still a slot if you want to go backpacking up along Lake Superior. Uh-huh. Absolutely beautiful. So when? When? Second week of August. Oh, it's race season. We'll see. It's there. It's there. Um, but it's yeah, beautiful. It's, it, it's incredible. Yeah, I got okay. pictures. Well, someday I'll share pictures with you because it's like it's <laughs> unbelievable. Okay, excellent. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Jeff, cue you. Cue me. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff Dewaskin. I didn't realize I giggled at your intro, Maria, but I was actually giggling. You do you every time. It I every know because you do it every time. I notice <laughs> these time. things. You've well, made me self-conscious on it, but I do it. It's actually because I really like it. I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I like. It it. It's a it. clever intro, and so it just <laughs> that, that's my natural reaction. I anytime I, I, I you giggle uh, every I giggle. time. I giggle. Okay. I'm a giggler. Right. Anyway, uh, right. Jeff Dwoskin, uh, founder of hashtag Stampede. Uh, we help brands engage with fans and customers online in a unique way to help drive them from anonymous to uh, non-anonymous. <laughs> I need to come up with a better word. But, uh, it's double so negative, so we're positive. So you can get them into your CRM system and market <laughs> to them outside of social media. So Awesome. All right, and Sam, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, Tim Kroll, I work with business growth strategies. Uh, most people look at that and say, what the heck is that? So the easiest way for me to explain that is I basically run diagnostics on businesses. And by running those diagnostics, I kind of figure out where you're leaking oil or if the gas is getting to the machine, like what's going on with your business. And then we plug those leaks. So that's the easiest way for me to explain that. But it, I, I love working at the strategy level and then coming up with a plan to say, okay, this is how we can move forward. This is the action steps that we can implement to have more whatever that is you're looking for. Absolutely. And I love Tim. Me and Tim have decided that we're like like pretty much the same person. Um, so we talk all the time. <laughs> and we're doing, differences there, just, in case just, you couldn't recognize just a the few, but I mean, overall, we're a lot alike. We've had enough conversations. We're like, wow, okay. We think a lot alike. So um, Angela and Jeff are probably terrified now, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Tim, I, I, 
really excited to have you on because obviously we've had lots of chats and done you know some different things together. And I love your outlook on things and I love the way that you see things, not only because I just said we're a lot alike because I actually just like it, but I really, I like um, the way you teach on leadership too. And today, I know that was one of the things where you were going to be talking on the leadership flywheel and yeah. um, all of that. And I'm just going to go ahead and let you dive in. And then the way we typically do that is we just ask questions as we go. But I know um, you're like me, you like to talk, so you'll probably do that. <laughs> so. But I like the questions and I like the interaction because it creates more of a reality of how people are receiving information. So I love that component of it. Um, I am traveling, so this is not my normal setup. I'm getting confused on where my camera is. So if I'm not looking at you, it's because I, I forgot where my camera was. <laughs> I was wondering here. if you're in a hotel room. That yeah, yeah, my, I'm traveling. So it's kind of one of those things. It's like I, I love coming and I, that's what makes our world so awesome right now is we can do our work and teach and be in places that we wouldn't normally be. But because of this beautiful internet connection, we get to share and uh, we get to have impact when we wouldn't normally have impact, right? When we're being locked down. So um, the first thing that I, I do when I start teaching and talking about leadership is it's truly amazing to me how there is nothing new under the sun and how we have had 2000 years plus of leadership training. And then somebody comes along and says, oh, I've got this brand new thing. I'm like, dude, you don't have a brand new thing. <laughs> it's like, you don't. It's just, we've got years, centuries of, of time here where people have been teaching about leadership. And so what I like to do is put it into framework. Uh, so when I look at leadership, what is that framework component that's going to allow us to take all of the massive amount of knowledge and data and information that is available, put it into a framework so now we can actually apply it, use it, and then have success based on what that knowledge is. Because the, the, the main thing is we can have tons of knowledge but zero wisdom because all of that knowledge doesn't get translated in that. Wisdom is that practical application of knowledge. And so that's where I like to use the leadership flywheel. And then I do use the word flywheel on purpose because as you start to generate momentum, it creates more momentum and you're constantly putting energy into this and it's just moving faster and faster, getting you either up the hill or, or further along on your journey. Uh, and so that's the framework that I'd like to use. Again, keeping in mind, frankly, inside of the leadership growth flywheel, there's really nothing new. It's just taking those pieces, putting it in an outline form so that we can apply those to our businesses, apply those to our personal lives. Um, so that's the, the general premise of what the work. So in the, in the flywheel outline itself, there's two ways to apply this. First of all, we apply it internally. How does this work on our own lives? Second is how do we apply it externally? In other words, how do we teach people how to go through this? How do we apply it to our either employees uh, sometimes it's our family. Sometimes it's community, nonprofit. How do we apply this externally? So it's internal and external. And then the last piece of the foundation for the flywheel is this. And this is absolutely critical. A, there's a considerable difference between a good leader and a great leader. And the one key element that makes the difference between a good leader and a great leader is that a great leader uses their wealth or finances, their influence. They use their power. All of the things that they have at their disposal, they use that for the benefit of others. A good leader uses all of those same things, wealth, power, influence, for their own consumption. And in today's world, we are seeing a massive, I would say the majority of the leaders that I see in the world 
are good leaders, not great leaders, because they're using their power, their finances, their influence for consumption to make their lives better. And when you accept that mantle of leadership, you need to understand that you're accepting something on behalf of others. And you need to use that power that you're being granted in, in the benefit of those that are going to be helped. And if you cannot make that difference, you will be doomed to just be a good leader. You will never make it into the greatness that you could become. So that's my foundation. That's my introduction. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. I love it. So in, in this leadership aspect, I have five phases that I work in. Um, and I'm going to just do a flyby and then we can dig in and we can go whichever direction you want because there's all kinds of applications that this is going to uh, work in. And I've never seen an end to it, just to be honest with you, right? So the five phases are this. First of all, we have you need to learn how to lead yourself. If you can't understand and learn how to lead yourself, then you're never going to make it into the next phase. The next phase is leading as a manager. The key in that phase is you manage things, not people. So many times we get that confused. We start to manage people instead of managing the things that we have available. So managing things are going to be specific in items, consumables, and we can go in all kinds of different illustrations, but you want to learn how to manage things. Third one is being a leader of followers. No matter who you are, where you are, whether you have one person following you or 100,000 people following you, you need to learn how to be able to be a great leader of followers. And underneath of that, there's five powers of influence we can talk about and dig into some of that. There's really only five ways to influence people. The separation, again, between a good leader and a great leader, a good leader will manipulate with those powers. A great leader will influence with those powers. So you can use it for the good and the bad. The fourth is learning to lead leaders. And this is where coaching comes into play. And you're actually starting to teach people, walk with them on their journey of leadership to go back into those three phases, learn more about themselves, learn more about managing things, learn more about leading followers. But that's the leader of leaders. And then the last phase, um, this is actually my favorite one because it's the most misunderstood, but it's leading as a mentor. A mentor is what we would consider. Most people consider a mentor as the guy that's got his head shaved. He's sitting on the top of the mountain. His arms are outstretched, cross-legged, and he's this sage, this Buddha-type sage. And you go up and climb the mountain just to ask that one question. What is your one question? And uh, then you get that answer, right? That's what we try to work for. But truly, leading as a mentor means that you're leading out of your experiences. You're leading them out of a uh, an experience that you have had in the past and being able to lead them into the future. So it's leading out of experiences. So that sounds the, like empathy. It, it does. It does. And that's a great word. And I love that part of it because there's two ways to lead with empathy. You have empathy and sympathy. Empathy means that you're actually leading because you've walked through that, but don't underestimate sympathy because sympathy means that you can relate to their feelings that they're having, but you may not be able to relate exactly to their experience. And I'll, a great example is obviously I'm a dad. So as I teach my kids, I will never have empathy for a mom because I, I never went through that experience. I'm not a mom, but I can have sympathy because I know the frustrations because I'm a dad. I know that, that emotion of fear or of being let down or pain or of hope that they're gonna do better, right? So there's that big difference between the empathy and that sympathy. 
So where do you want me to go? We can dive into any one of these parts. And I know this is, we're doing this live. So I'm sure there's maybe questions as we continue on, but um, we I can think dig Jeff in. had one. I, think I did. Was- I did. And I'm like, why is Tim ignoring me? And I realized I was on mute. <laughs> it helps to have the mic on. Yeah. Well, it was like, I, they, all of a sudden there was, uh, they're doing some construction or something in my house. So Tim, Jeff didn't tell you that he's a comedian. Uh-oh. So, you know, he's really just trying to get you to laugh. I got, I got well, Tim excited today. I, I, laugh, I, 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 I friended really him on Facebook and he's like, problem. how can I help you? And I'm like, yeah. oh, we're just doing this thing later. <laughs> <laughs> so a um, couple things. Um, one is I apologize for whatever this thing on my nose is. I, uh, it's, Dude, I couldn't even see it. Well, so I, can, I can see it. It's like, my hair, see, it's like, Woo! I, don't, I don't know if I should do this or this. No, we didn't even notice. You're the one pointed okay. out. Now I'm looking extra now hard. Now you can't but... not see it. Mm. <laughs> okay, here's my question. Um, or here's my, uh, it would seem to me that the good leaders think they're great leaders. So how do you, how do you, um, somebody either below them or how, how do they break through that? Because they're probably not self-aware. Well, at that point, it goes to, I think Maxwell said this, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so there's a whole ton of ego type things that come into play. And until they're completely disgusted with who they are, where they're at, they're never going to change. That's just a fact of life. And so I want to work with individuals and people. And this is where I really try to focus is you, you have a pain point. There's something that you are disgusted with. That's what starts that process of change. But if you're not disgusted with the way that you are, you're never going to change that individual who thinks that they're a great leader. It's just not going to happen. Well, but if, if I'm a good leader, um, that's still a positive label. Good, right? You're but like, it's, it's good it, enough. Well, it's sounding, it like, it's sounding like you're using good and great as, as great and, and bad. And it's, so it's, it's a good, are there levels of good? Right. You know, because I didn't take like, it like that. No. Now I took it and correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, I don't know, but I took it as a good leader, maybe good at running his company, you know, bringing in profits, you know, going through all the steps for the company, but he hasn't extended it out to start to think about the bigger picture, the bigger why, you know, the like giving back, pay it forward type of thing. Yeah. So I think that there is kind of like a crossover moment where yes, profits are great. Running a, a great company is great, but there has to be more than that. I yeah, feel like when you, oh, well, sorry. No, go ahead. Add that's in? what I took as the bad part because it sounds like if you're working for somebody who's selfish, which is, I think, how it sounded like good was a different, that's one of the main differences, um, then that can't be a great place to work. I mean, unless you literally just go for your paycheck and go home and don't care. But you know maybe I mean? if you look at it from the perspective of, hey, I'm a, I'm a good leader or I'm a servant leader where I'm really looking to grow the people in addition to the business, right? Like obviously as a leader and a business leader, you need to be able to grow the business part, but you also need to be able to grow and develop your people. If you don't have followers, you're then not really leading, you're just managing. So that that transition from, I can get my people to do what needs to be done to my people know what to do without me, right? Like I think that's your beginning trans, that beginning step between good and great. I personally want to be able to not come to work and still know that I can trust my team to get the work done that needs to be done. Yeah. I feel like that's 
like when you start saying, I didn't come to work to tell you what to do and micromanage. I came to work because I want to grow and I want you to grow so that when I'm not here, you're able to fill that role. Like, I think maybe I, I don't know. Is that what you're trying to say? That's kind of how I hear it, Tim. Yeah. You guys are all pretty much right on track. Uh, where I come at it from when it, the difference between the good and the great, our society defines good, a good leader, something that somebody that can accomplish something. Unfortunately, our society also takes out morality. And so when we look at it from a perspective of is somebody a good leader, that means that they have results. They were able to accomplish something. doesn't matter what that thing was, whether it was a good or a bad thing. It just means that they were able to accomplish something. So to define the difference between somebody that's good and somebody that's great is we add this element of morality. And again, it comes down to the fact of we are using all of the tools, all of the benefits, that, or I'm sorry, all of the, the influence that we have for the benefit of others. Now, frankly, we could actually dig back into history and look at a lot of different, and I'm going to use two from history. Uh, one, and if I'm glitching a little bit, Maria, just tell me because I, I don't no, know. No, you're good. You're good. Okay, so one, we would consider Hitler to be a good leader. In that aspect, he was able to influence an entire nation and a group of individuals to do some very bad things. So he was good at what he did because he was able to accomplish something. On the other hand, we have somebody like Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin created the post office. He created libraries. He created, with all of his power and influence, that he could have just sat back on his heels after he retired from the printing industry. He could have just sat back and not done anything, but yet he chose to use his power, influence, and finances for the greater good of the community. So I would consider Benjamin Franklin to be a great leader because he used all of what he had for the benefit of others to accomplish things that were going to benefit others. And so that's how I would define the difference between good and great. You can find good leaders all across our nation, in companies, in all different areas. But then I sit back and I look at what did their company actually accomplish? Yeah, they made money. Yeah, they produced a lot of stuff. Yeah, they did a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, did they really leave a deep, lasting impact on our world? Did they change people's lives for the better? So let's go back to the original question, Jeff, when you said when people aren't aware. And that's where the very first part of this flywheel is, are you working on your own personal development? And as you break down the personal development, I have four core areas that you should continue to grow in your own self. It's physical, mental, spiritual, and social. And as you grow in those four areas, you can apply any, any one of a number of different tactics or goals or anything along those lines when it comes to self-development. But if you don't realize and start working on your own personal life, you're never going to have a greater influence when it comes to followers. You won't be able to coach those leader of leaders. You won't be able to have that influence. And then as you work into the mentor phase, if you're not developing yourself, how are you going to learn from those experiences? Or and My own life. I've had situations, and I call it the school of hard knocks, right, where I've been sued multiple times because of business, failed partnerships, whatever it ends up being. I've had a lot of situations that have happened, and I have two choices. I can either stay and live in the pain and the hurt and the anger, or I can choose to learn from that, adjust, and become a better person, which then gives me more influence for the followers, a better coach as a leader of leaders, and then more experiences as a mentor. Right. Um you know, it's my earlier point about the two categories. I mean, to your example, you know, 
it's hard to sit there and, and categorize uh, Hitler as a good leader because he was able to do something bad. So I don't know that that would make him a good leader for successfully convincing people uh, to do yeah. what he did. So, you know, there's, there's gotta be a kind of a, well, let me, let me pause on one, on one point on that because this is <laughs> this one. I hate our English language so much because we use words and everybody has a different definition of that word. So I get exactly where you're coming from, because if you define good as something that's positive, great. That's, that's one definition, but then we can also look at it as a good. So I get it. Totally understand where you're coming from on that. But um, that's one thing I hate about our English language. (laughs) (laughs) Take it away. So, uh, well, I think maybe what he was possibly trying to say with that is that the things that Hitler did obviously was horrible and terrible, uh, but he was able to do things effectively, even though they were terrible and horrible, if he would have kind of switched some of those things out with, with positive, morally upstanding things, um, you know, it would have been good. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's what I was good, was thinking you were saying anyway. Yeah. Not to put words in your mouth. <laughs> no, no, no. But I would say the same thing. He was good at his job. He was good at what he was trying to accomplish. And he was, he was I, good I, at yeah, bad things. moved away from uh, Nazi Hitler. Let's- yeah, maybe he was efficient or uh, effective, but not necessarily I use the word good. Is that okay? That's totally fine. <laughs> Just move on. Okay. <laughs> no more Hitler. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> totally fine. Um, so when we're looking at the differences, then as we go through those phases, when we when we deal with our personal development, you've got to learn how to be able to build your own life in those four phases. Then you look at the management and the phases of those. It really comes down to how do you create and time block. What are you doing to be able to build your time, be able to, to set portions aside inside of your week? What are you doing with your finances? What are you doing with um, the, uh, man, there's so many different components when it comes to managing things. And that's where you have to learn how to develop as a manager to be able to manage that. And then that again goes back into the influence and the influencing of the leader of the followers. Um, so again, we can dive into each one of these components and see how that goes. But, um, you know, I, I don't know which direction you guys want to go. I love the questions and the pieces and the parts of that, but um, let me know which way to go on each each one of these things. Angela, I think you should have some questions since you are like Miss Leadership. I think it would be great to kind of <laughs> to see what questions you have on the leadership angle. So, you know, hot topic at the moment right now, a lot of people are feeling very overwhelmed. Um, they're struggling to sort of dig out from under 2020, but somehow 2021 just hasn't been as positive yet as we were all kind of hoping, like slow rollout on vaccines. Um, one of the topics that a lot of leadership friends, I don't know, whatever our colleagues have been talking about recently has been, how are we helping people dig out from under and cope with some of the stresses and some of the day-to-days. Um, where do you go with that? So I, I certainly have the techniques that I've been coaching with people, but I'd love to hear what you're doing as well. Uh, well, the, I guess the first thing would be to define what that individual is doing, because there's differences on how people structure their own lives, and there's differences as far as the maturity of where they're at mentally, right? So yep. we have some individuals... Um, that have never really become self-aware and they've uh, put themselves in a position where 
they are um, they blame everybody else for the position that they're currently in. Right. Uh, if we go back to Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn is a I, I love Jim Rohn. I love where he's at and what he's been doing. But Jim Rohn says this. The weather is going to blow on everybody. The storms are going to happen to everybody. But it's learning how to set your sails to take advantage of whatever that weather is, whichever way the winds are blowing. Because, quite frankly, at the end of the day, we don't have control over the vaccines. We don't have control over the politics. We don't have control. There's a lot of things that we don't have control over, which then leads us to a lot of frustration. But if we can now take that step back and say, okay, what are the things that I do have control over? What are the things that I have the ability to allow to influence my own life? I mean, the biggest thing right now is social media. The social media is telling us how to think, where to go, what to do, all of those things that are happening, but yet we consume and consume and consume, and we take on all of those emotions. Yeah, all the burdens. We take all of that on, but we don't have a safe place where we can go and unload and then come back to the center of where our soul is at, Mm -hmm. a time of reflection, a time of quiet. And everybody's going to define that, the soul differently depending on where you're coming from how you were raised but there's a certain element of this reflective centering that you have to come back into whether it's meditation whether uh, people some people use music some people use quiet time some people use prayer everybody has to come back to the center so whether you are uh, leading a ceo company of a fortune 500 company or you're a janitor in a high school all of this data and information is keeps pounding in on us. And then we have to come back and say, okay, where's my center? Where is, where is who I am and how I value my own life? Where am I going to find that from? Because if we allow the society, any of the social media, if we allow them to tell us who we are, then it, we're forever dominated by whatever that loudest megaphone is going to be. I don't know if that answered your question directly, but it's a matter of finding your center. It's a matter of coming back and saying, okay, this is my habit and my routine of how to become better, stronger, and not allow the impact of the world to have such a devastating effect effect on me. Because there's always going to be challenges. Everybody's going to go through challenges. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. So we've, we've been talking about... Um kind of a three-way approach where you talk about the the physical aspects of it. So you had said you had four earlier. I kind of blind, I blended mindset and spirituality into one. Right. And so you have your, your physical and you have your um, mindset, spirituality as another, and, and then kind of your, your do, right? Like, where are you going to be with that? And if you can find that, that getting away. So in German, we have this word, your Alltag, the things that you're doing every day, those day-to-day little miniature things that just you have to do them in order to keep going. But how can you make that almost turn that into a ritual instead of a hectic? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, um, you have to sweep the floor. Is it something that's going to be hectic or could you use this as a moment of reflection as you sweep the floor, right? Like if you've got kids or dogs or something, there's there's these things. I have to walk the dog. That's because I get up at four or five in the morning and I'm the first one up. So the dog says, good, you're my best friend. (laughs) But it could either be I have to walk the dog or it could be I'm going to enjoy that the stars are out this morning and the owl just flew by and I'm going to take like – it's the same thing. I'm walking outside, but 
but yeah. can I take it to a moment of peace as opposed to a moment of hectic? Um, yeah. Finding that to find your center in in the everyday. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Your attitude is going to affect how you approach any any daily chore that you're going to have. Um, and I couldn't agree more with that aspect is finding the good inside of whatever those daily routines are. That is an absolute key. The one I would say, if you want to take it one step further in the details of what you're doing, is it's an understanding of what activities drain and what activities drive you. So mm -hmm. uh, one of the challenges and one of the things that I use as far as in the workshop is to be able to actually take a look at and say, okay, every day you list out and you say, on this, this component, what I want you to do is be able to list all of the things that you found energy, all of the things that you were able to grow your own internal, uh, whether it's your physical center or whatever. What are the things that you got up in the morning to say, yes, I'm excited about doing this. I'm really excited about doing this. And then on the other hand, you write down all of the things that drain your energy. And it's a simple thing. I would suggest doing it for seven to 10 days. And then as you look at that, there are going to be some things on your drainer side that you're never going to be able to get rid of. And when I was doing this, I found I hate answering emails, but I have to answer emails, but it drains me. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's set that and make sure that I'm doing that either early in the morning or I put that in a time block and I only do it for a specific amount of time. So that way I'm not allowing that drainer to hit me all the way through the entire day, completely just making me completely upset with the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So put those in blocks. And then the other thing is making sure no matter what, that our drivers, that list of drivers is longer than the list of drainers. So that means whether you're delegating a task, delegating out some of the things, you always make sure your drivers are greater than the list of drainers. And that, that's one key element that I've noticed, especially with, with high functioning uh, CEOs or entrepreneurs, is that we tend to allow the demands of our days to shift all of our activities into the things that drain us. And the easiest way for me to explain this is as you're walking down this path to success, the, the path to success versus the path to a nervous breakdown is separated by a razor thin line. And that sure. razor thin line is that you're always doing drainers. You're never putting energy back into it. So again, going back to those four key elements, which is your physical, are you taking care of your body, eating right, sleeping right? Um, sp uh, spiritually, are you taking care of your soul? Mentally, are you continuing to put positive information into your mind, grow your wisdom and your knowledge? And then socially, how are you interacting with people, whether it's digitally or physically? How are you interacting with everybody? So, so that's kind of the – go ahead, Jeff. We, we, we used to look at it as uh, the four quadrants. That's, yeah. that's kind of like what you're – right? You, know, you got crises and emergencies. You got prevention, planning, improvement, I think is where you, you want to be. And you got uh, interrupting things and then time wasters like water yep. cooler talk, which, mm -hmm. which I, I enjoy that. But they, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how that's kind of what you're saying. So you you, you it's a fight against uh, the three competing quadrants to what you need to focus on to actually make your day productive. Do you believe in like or not believe in? Do you use or recommend um, like virtual assistants or? anything like that. Like I've, I've worked with people that, you know, just felt they, they were above email communication, talking, you know, anything that didn't service the one person above them. I don't mean God. I mean, whoever they report to is, um, is, uh, is all they cared about. <laughs> the way it sounded spiritual. It wasn't meant. 
I'm fine with whatever direction you want to go. No, because I mean, everybody has some spiritual, so it's all good. So, anyway. um, so what what was the core of the question, though? Because I didn't quite catch the core. I, I didn't either. The core of the question is how, so how do you how do you balance and fight off the the interruptions, the time wasters, the the, the time sucks, the things that don't don't move you forward. Right, right. So I, this is, <laughs> so we talked about the English language. This is one of the words that comes out all the time. The way that you fight against this is discipline. And to me, growing up, discipline is a bad word. Like discipline is all about, we are, um, we're being punished for something that we did whether we knew it was right or wrong, right? But that's not really truly the good root word of discipline. The good root word of discipline is all about honing your skills, right? So honing the ability to become a master at whatever it is that you're doing, right? So as we work into uh, the ability to discipline our time, it's how do we hone those skills to be a better manager of our time? And then how do we become a better manager of our priorities? And so as we learn that discipline, as we practice those discipline, that gives us a better. So it really, truly comes down to that very first step. How do we take that first step? Because there's always going to be those competing times and there's always going to be that distraction. There's always going to be all kinds of stuff that's going on. But at, at the end of the day, it's that first step, learning how to slowly discipline yourselves and then holding yourself accountable to somebody that you're really um, uh, that you have a good, solid relationship with that you can say, OK, this is what I'm accomplishing. This is what I'm trying to do. And that accountability to our disciplines gives us the ability to be able to accomplish and separate out and not get as distracted. Although I, I still, I still get distracted all the time just to be totally transparent with y'all. I struggle with it all yeah. the time. <laughs> I, I think many people do. And I think you mentioned earlier just about, you know, being an entrepreneur or a business owner or whatever the case may be, you know, you're wearing so many hats and, you know, so a lot of times, especially at the very beginning, when you're a smaller business or just starting out, you know, it's necessary that you're wearing multiple hats, but you can get distracted and end up, you know, kind of falling into these time wasters or these things that are kind of like sucking you dry of your energy. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, really to focus on the needle movers. So like, look at your business as a whole, because you're not going to be able to do all the things, you know, you can't do all the things. It'd be great. You know, if you have an endless budget and endless amount of time, fine, do all the things. But I don't know an entrepreneur or a business owner that does have an endless budget. So look at, you know, where's the money coming now? What's getting you the most traction and focus on that. And I think that's, you know, overview of what you're saying on a lot of that. And it does take discipline to me. I know I used to have the, the, kind of the understanding that discipline was punishment the way I grew up, (laughs) but it's actually teaching. Discipline is teaching, you know, so we're teaching, you know, and and in this instance, we're teaching ourselves to, okay, well, let's focus on this. And you mentioned like a bundling or I call it batching. I I do utilize batching. I have self-diagnosed ADHD. And if I don't batch myself, you know, I will get distracted with all the things that it's completely a time waster. And next thing you know, two hours have gone by and I have nothing done. So I have to batch myself. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And then it's amazing too, as we look at these things, what I have found, and this goes back into the becoming the leader of leaders. What I have found is again, this is internal and external. And I had situations where a leader of a company put in his position, another production leader and was great, great for about three, six, seven months. And then all of a sudden something happened in regards to 
his communication with the employees. And next thing you know, all of the employees are saying, I'm going to go find another job. I'm going to go. And the owner of the company is like, what the heck happened here? And then as he started to dig in again, using that framework of the self-development and so on, as you dig into that, what he found was the individual was going through a divorce or a really bad breakup, which was then having a direct impact on how he was leading followers. So his communication started to fail. The way that he was interacting with people was in ways that were just very authoritarian, very directive, very you get this done or else kind of a way. And then he had to use his coaching ability to be able to say, now, was that most effective? But then coming back to it, and this is where it's really important is what he was able to do with diagnose with the framework is he was failing in the leader of followers because the self was a wreck. Same thing with the management. Sometimes we start to fail in our influence of others because our time management is a wreck. We haven't blocked things off or we haven't put a schedule or we don't have the right priorities in place. And that includes our family, right? That includes, there's no way, and, and so many people use this term, like I'm going to balance my family and my business. And I personally believe that's a false narrative and it's impossible to ever balance things perfectly. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to have priorities and know where you need to dedicate your time. What is the demand? Is it something that's a, a, a crisis that's going on inside of your company? Or is there a health issue? Is there a death? Is there something that people need you in your family? And that's where you have to look at the management of things to be able to adjust your time based on those priorities, based on who is most important to you. Absolutely. And I, I think prioritizing things can be kind of a challenge. And I, I like work-life balance thing is one of my pet peeves. I talk on that all the time <laughs> just about, cause it's like, I mean, I remember chasing that idea of work-life balance and it's just, yeah. that that is a false narrative, like you said. So I, I do have a question when um, you mentioned um, just about dealing with leaders that are going through hard times, what, you know, if obviously divorce, death, there's lots of things that can go on in your personal life that makes you at that moment, at least not a great effective leader. Are there certain things to have in place where it, that can, you can kind of, avoid the downfall from just these the chaos that happens in life? Yeah. Um, I call them check engine lights uh, because I notice in my own internal, um, and I think actually, Jeff, you're the one who referred to this uh, as far as, you know, kind of things just feel like they're going way out of control, right? So there's certain things in my life that I put in place that are my check engine lights. And I know that my energy is draining in that area because either I'm emotionally attached to it and I'm just dragging down and it's just so hard for me to, to handle. And, and Angela, you even said the same thing. Now that we're kind of going through a lot of the circumstances, society is putting all of these restrictions. I mean, it's weighing on us, right? That weight, that drain has impact in the way that I act and the way that I do and how things come out. So my check engine lights are number one, well, maybe I should go back because I, the way I found my check engine lights were uh, I was completely drained and about ready to break. And my breaking point was when I came back home after I had gone through the winter, uh, our fourth quarter as e-com, fourth quarter, busiest time of the year for anybody that's in e-com selling products. It's the busiest thing. It's the most stressful. Then you add holidays, family obligations on top of that. All these things are going on. We took a trip to my parents in Pennsylvania. They had a backed up drain. We had three inches of water in the basements. I didn't sleep at all. Then we took a 12-hour trip back into Michigan. 
I was drained physically, emotionally, mentally. I was at zero on all of my tanks. Driving into the driveway, our garage door falls and breaks, and I cannot get our garage door open. And that was my breaking point. And I started going all MMA on the rate on the garage door, just beating it, throwing the fists and elbows and kicking it. And in the back of my mind, I mean, like the only thing I could think of was I have got to get through this door. Meanwhile, my wife, my three kids are all sitting in the van behind me. Like, who is this monster? I have never seen this guy ever. It was because I was broken. I was at that point of being at completely zero. And I, I, I couldn't think. I couldn't comprehend. I couldn't think creatively. I couldn't come up with other solutions. It was just, I've got to get through this door. No matter how unrealistic it was, I have got to get through this door. And that was my point in time. I was like, okay, Jeff, we talked about I, I got disgusted because I don't ever want to be in this position again. I don't want to be like this in front of my parents or in front of my wife and in front of my uh, kids and them looking up to me as a dad. I want, I don't want to be in this position ever again. So I was disgusted, which led me on the journey to be able to say, what are my check engine lights? And so when I found my check engine lights, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, when I start to get impatient with my kids, I start to snap at my wife. I start to become completely frustrated with whatever I'm doing in business. I cannot think creatively of a solution. Those are all signs, my check engine lights, that I am reaching that breaking point. And I've got to come back to what we just talked about earlier. I've got to find my center. I've got to start either going on a hike on a, on a mountain trail. I've got to spend time with my kids. I've got to go on a date with my wife. I've got to come back to my center. Tim, I'm surprised that's the first time you have ever melted down like that. Have you never taken the family to <laughs> Disney World? <laughs> well, I have a lot of stamina, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> there was a lot of other things that were going on in the background. Um, that I, can't, I mean, dude, we would be here for hours trying to tell the entire story. But that was the first time that I really broke down. And I, maybe, maybe it wasn't probably the first time I broke down. It was the first time that I realized that and it, it made lots of circumstances but my kids were old enough to understand what was going on and i think that's what really left that impression on me is the fact i turned around and that little alarm going on to the back of the head and you're like you turn around you see your kids and like their mouths are dropped like who is this guy and i think that's what left the impact it was like it would it would just hit you hard tim do you read uh jay parker palmer uh what's the name of the book maybe uh, he has a series of books. I'm, he writes on servant leadership. And yeah, yeah, I've let, read a lot. Is he the one that wrote The Servant? Is that the individual? Um, now you're going to make me Google. <laughs> so there's a really awesome book on servant leadership that I love. Um, it's called The Servant, and I don't remember the name of the author. Are you um, sure that's not Greenleaf? No, Green, Robert Greenleaf is the uh, he wrote Servant Leadership. He was the guy from uh, yeah. AT&T, and it's considered right. the father of Servant Leadership. But um, exactly, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think Jesus was the first servant leader, flat sure. out. I mean, that's <laughs> two thousand right, years that's... ago. There's so much stuff that he did that was so powerful. Anyway, so that's just. I'm like Robert Greenleaf is not really the father of servant leadership. I think Jesus is, but that's just that's just me. <laughs> I mean, so Parker's really uh, bigger one is called the Hidden Wholeness, and he also so he's sort of like I don't know, let's say Greenleaf disciple, right? Okay. Um, but one of the check lights 
to use your to use your analogy that he often had was his wife and she he said if he ever kind of got a little bit snarky she's like might be time to go on a retreat yeah. and and it was telling to me because he writes all these you know peaceful and wholesome and everything and then his wife's like time for you to take a break and so clearly they had their strong communication so sometimes that chuckle engine light doesn't have to be yourself you can 100%. work with all the people around you and let them say hey some feedback sometimes is a good thing right like you're getting tired here you're hangry someone walks in and hands you a bottle of water in the middle of a meeting might be a little bit of an indicator that you need to calm it down for a second right like 100%. having having that support structure is also really important i think and he in his case he used his wife but i'm i'm grateful that i have some people that will be pointing things out to me as well i get animated and a little bit of water doesn't hurt to like calm things down and maybe take a breath for a second yeah i think that's yep. good that's a good point being able to have that you know structure to be able to say all right you know take a retreat take a break take a drink of water whatever um, i'm going to hear the comments yeah exactly mick said hey everybody mick manhattan has a great podcast hey, mick. um tamala said hi and then she also said um she's been teaching mental and emotional discipline for years discipline helps with discernment too absolutely yeah. Yep. So. Angela, to your point, and I love that you did that, and I love that that aspect of it, and I couldn't agree more. In fact, I've given my wife permission for that. Um, as a man, I struggle with the vulnerability vulnerability of that mm. because I'm, according to society, I'm not allowed to be considered weak. I'm not allowed to be able to show some of those pieces, right? That's what society tells us that we can't do. And so I would say, even if you take that one step further, I completely agree. You need to have people that you can trust, but you have to be vulnerable and show your scars. Because at the end of the day, we always get attacked where our greatest strengths are at. And if we're getting cut and attacked where our strengths are, that's where our scars are. And I can't tell you how many times I've been told to go ahead and cover that scar. And if I cover the scar, then I cover my greatest strength. So we have to be vulnerable and show that there are times when we break down. There are times when we need help. There are times when we get animated. Please reach in and, and give me a glass, give me a bottle of water because you have to be able to be vulnerable to use those experiences to lead as a mentor. Otherwise, you don't have as much of an influence. You don't have as much of an impact. Great. I agree. Absolutely. It's so, hard for me <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it's hard sure. for a lot of people. I think it's hard for a lot of people. And and I mean, I've never been a guy before, as so I can't say from a guy's standpoint, but it's, it can be hard even from a female standpoint to be vulnerable. You know, you, especially, you know, um, for me, you know, being, especially when I worked for other people, being out in the corporate world, I had to be, you know, tough because you didn't want, if you showed any emotion, then you got a whole lot of, well, of course, there goes a woman, yeah. you know, being all emotional again. So a lot of times you would have to watch or I would have to watch what I would say, or if I was too firm, you know, then I was called the big B, you know, so it's, it's still like, it ends up being this kind of like back and forth, or that's been my experience of it. But I do want to talk about, I know um, when we were texting, you mentioned, I was trying to find our text, but I can't find it, but you mentioned, oh, there it is, um, about, about pa passing the mantle of leadership. Like, oh. what? so, I mean, I know this, we don't have a whole lot of time, but if you could kind of like brush over maybe some of that. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, I, so I, I actually there's there's a there's a mantle of leadership that was presented to us, and the outline was absolutely incredible. And that was when King David passed his mantle of leadership to King Solomon. And it was written out, and it was such a credible story. And it was a, such a credible way. It's in Chronicles, if you it's Second Chronicles. Anyway, I, I'll give you the reference if you want to look it up. But it's an incredible passing of a mantle of a leadership from King David into King Solomon. And some of the key elements that he did. Number one is that he did it in public. He did it in front of all of the other uh, leaders of the land. And I think that's really an important component, especially as we look at our businesses, is that sometimes we never physically pass that mantle. We never come in front and say, this is the guy that is going to be leading you. So there's a lot of confusion in those that are considered the secondary leaders or managers in a company. We never actually pass that mantle. So it has to be, number one, it has to be public. Second thing that he did is he actually created a plan. He created an outline. Because Solomon's greatest uh, accomplishment was building the temple, which was a feat that was an incredible thing. And people came from all over the world just to see the temple. But David laid out the plan and he got supplies together and he did all kinds of things. And then he took all of those plans and said, this is what we have planned, handed it to Solomon. But the key element is he then let go of it. Because he said, here's the plan. Here's what you're going to be able to do. But then he didn't micromanage it. He didn't say, well, this is what you have to do first and second and third. He just said, here's the plan. This is our vision. This is our, our structure. Go ahead and run with that plan. And Solomon took over it. The third thing that he did, too, is he encouraged him and set him up for, look, this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough. So don't be afraid. Go ahead and just do the work. And he encouraged him and just kind of gave him that charge. And I think that's so important, something that we miss. And whether you're passing the mantle from a, a father to a son or from one business owner to another, you've got to charge him and say, look, you can do this. I believe in you. We've taught you. You've got all of the skills necessary. And then the fourth thing that he did is he said, look, here's all of my experiences. And if you follow David's life at all, you can look back through and he killed a bear. He killed a lion. He killed Goliath. He did all of these incredible fantastic things. And he said, this is what I was able to accomplish. These are the experiences that I've had. You can have those same things because you have the same God inside of you. You have the same experience, the same talent. You have the same thing inside of you. So you can be able to do this. So passing the mantle of leadership doesn't have to be hard. We just follow that pattern, follow that path. And we can be able to pass a mantle of leadership from a father to a son. We can pass it from one business owner to the next business owner. From it, it, This works in every aspect. But if you just follow those four steps, it gives you the power to be able to say, okay, here's how we can successfully pass a, a business off to the next leader. There's so much more to that, but I was just trying to do a five-ball. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that's a good like outline overview of being able to pass it over. And I think it's important to realize, I mean, and it, it, it's hard to think about handing over something you've built with your own hands to somebody yeah. else to run. Um, even the times I've had to hire in help, I go through the same thing every time when I end up delegating something yeah. new that I've never delegated before. I go through the same like bargaining with myself. Well, I can totally do it. I can totally do it. I'll just, I'll just make more time over here, schedule it over here because I'm so terrified of the what ifs once I hand it over. But Thankfully, every single time that has happened, you know, I've handed it over and I sat back and kind of like, oh, waited for it all to fall to pieces. But if you're bringing in the right people, that's not what happens. And actually, 
most of the time I've looked at and gone, oh, wow, that's better than I was doing. (laughs) So, you know, I ends up being such a good thing, but it can, you do have that feeling at first of, oh, it's, and it's every single time you think I would be good at it by now, but I'm not, I get that same like punch in the gut every single time I get ready to delegate something new. Yeah. And practically speaking, this, this, the way you pass the mantle of leadership, I know we're talking kind of really high level, but if we break it down and come into the implemental stages, whether you have a VA or you hire an employee, this process still is the same. You publicly say, this is the guy, this is the person, this is who is going to be in charge of this component. Here's the plan that we're going to follow. I believe in them, giving them the support and then saying, hey, here's all of the experiences that we have as a company. You can learn from these. We're going to help you through this. And you just continue to pass that on. And that's how you grow your company to the level of being able to delegate properly and then dish off what you need to dish off. We were talking about this this morning and we kind of put it into the buckets of delegation requires training. It requires time, trust, and support, right? And then actually kind of even a little bit of testing, right? To make sure that the system is working mm-hmm. correctly. But you can't just delegate. You can't just say, hey, go do it. Yeah. You, they need to be able to do it. So Not we good. were in this topic because we were talking about the topic of empowerment. But really, delegation and empowerment are quite similar if you're doing your job correctly, Right. If you haven't trained them and you just hand them the task, you've done nobody any favors. Correct. They need support depending on the complexity of the task. Sometimes you need some time and some testing. Learning is an iterative process. And I think it's difficult when we get into business and our resources are very tight. I want to tell you once and expect you to do it, but that's not how I learned. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. the, I come back to all the time, like how long did it take you to convince your kid to tie his shoes? First, we had to learn how to tie the shoe, tie the shoe, tie the shoe, tie the shoe, tie the shoe. Then we actually had to say, tie the shoe. Now that you know how, are you actually going to do it? And it took years of iterations, right, to get your kid to tie the shoes. Yep. So we talk about the what, the how, and the why when you talk about training the what? Okay, a kid can tie a shoe by the time he's probably five, and in average, right? But I'm telling you, my kid's 13, and I'm still saying, Aiden, tie your shoes. <laughs> I have an 18 right. year old. I still tell him to tie his shoes. No. <laughs> my kids just are wearing point. Crocs. They gave up on life, I guess. They just are wearing Crocs. It's just like whatever. <laughs> Bring back the 80s with the Velcro strips. You're muted again, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, so your quirky, your quirky ness was lost upon us. Oh no. So. But I mean, I think it really matters. Like we talk about these different elements that training doesn't happen overnight. Delegation doesn't happen successfully overnight. And so if you're trying to, you have to put time on your calendar to truly do a good job to delegate. Yeah. And that comes from where I look, like I said, the, the leader of leaders is part of coaching and a coach walks with those individuals. Mm-hmm. So they're there during practice, they're there during the game day, they're there during the aftertime, through the failures, through the successes, through all of that. Uh, being a leader of leaders is truly walking with them on a day by day basis, which is what a coach does. And 100 percent agree with that. It's just you've got to be able to train, work with and develop a long term relationship. Yes. I think that's what mentoring is, not the sage on the mountain, personally. Like the mentor is the one who's willing to walk with you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And look out for you also. Like when you're not in the room, 
Someone has to speak for you. Yep. Yeah. I, and that's why I love, I love hate our, our English language. Cause like I said, I use one word and use, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so yeah. it's, all I good. think it makes it interesting. Yeah. Oh, true. Very, very true. Very true. Um, so let me leave this and maybe we'll end on this, but the, the five powers of, um, influence, um, I'll just kind of touch on this real quick, but number one, it's reward, punishment, position, woo, which is winning others over or charisma. And then the last one is your experience. So the way that you influence, the way that you have the ability to influence others is through those five reward, punishment, position, woo, and experience. And the interesting thing about experience is sometimes those that have the most influence as a leader are not the CEOs in the head office. Oftentimes they're the guy that's been on the ground floor doing the same job for 30 or 35, 40 years that may have more influence on that company than any of the CEOs that have come in play. So influence is something that you can develop. You can continue to build that. And again, it needs to be influence, not manipulation, because manipulation is wrong. You don't manipulate people. But you have to use those and the understanding that power of influence is really there for the benefit of others. Absolutely. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, Angela, you have any more questions for Tim? I don't. Tim, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. We should, we should probably keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'd say you all could talk all day long about this. So yeah, yep. uh, yeah, we're out of time. So it's not right now, but Jeff, do you have anything else you want to say? I don't. Thank you, Tim. Thanks Jeff. Yeah. And thanks as usual, Tim, that's um, been great. And um, go ahead and give everybody where they can follow you, find you all that. Uh, the easiest thing is flow.page backslash my name. So flow F L O W dot P A G E backslash Tim Kroll, T I M C R O L L. And if you wanted to join the newsletter, you just click on the very top one. It's my website. You can get in and register for a newsletter. Um, and then there's other ways to follow me on social media, but that's the one link flow.page backslash Tim Cole. There you go. Super easy to the point. So it's been great. And Angela, Jeff, thanks as usual. Ray, if you're watching this later, we missed you. And until next week, we will be live again next Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Was Thank we going to try to do the fist bump thing? Because I already forgot. Like, Other way, Maria. Wrong way. Gosh. Yes. Yeah. I'm never going to get this, like, ever. See? I'm never going to. Never. I never. Jeff, I got your head down oh, there. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Tim. 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 I got the high five for Tim. Yeah, you almost got it. I'm just going to hold you. You find me. I get that. That's good. All right. All right. We'll see you guys. Bye. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks.